This right here is the Twib Lab. You are now listening to Twib FM. Real talk, real awesome. Finally, I'm finally free. Welcome, welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. Thank you for tuning in. Our show today is a two-part show. Very excited. We have two wonderful guests. Our first guest is Ashanti McMillian, who is the co-founder of Guardian Princesses. And then our second guest, which actually is multiple guests, is the cast of Misspelled, their director, and also the creator of Misspelled, Lindsay McDowell. So a lot of fun on this show. Please, 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 if you are listening in live, make sure you're using the hashtag BGN podcast. That does allow you to jump in and listen as well as participate with other listeners. And you can call us. The phone lines are open. So you would just call the number 718-404-9320 if you have any questions or comments for our guests. Our co-host tonight is Ashley from Graveyard Shift Sisters. She's going to co-host with me on the second segment for Ms. Spelled. Um, before I pass the virtual mic over to her, just want to make a couple of announcements. On Saturday, October 4th, both Ashley and I will be at New York Super Week, which is a week that helps celebrate New York Comic Con that's coming up next month. A lot of fun events that's happening, and our podcast is going to be one of those events. So check us out. It's going to be at the Galapagos Art Museum in Brooklyn. Tickets are $10, and it is at 5 p.m. Doors open at 4. Also, you can join Ashley and I the following week. We've got a busy month ahead of us. Um, we will be at Geek Girl Con. So Geek Girl Con, that is in Seattle, Washington. And that's going to be on Saturday and Sunday, October 11th and 12th. So if you are attending Geek Girl Con or have plans to, feel free to come by, check us out. We're going to be on a couple of panels, and it should be a really fun time um, to just celebrate everything geek with both of us here on Black Girl Nerds Podcast. So I'm going to pass the virtual mic over to Ashley, and feel free to let us know any current projects you're working on, Ashley, and give us your social media shout-outs. You saying all that makes me tired already. <laughs> and we're only three. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Ashley. Uh, you can check me out at graveyardshiftsisters.com. It's actually a community blog where I offer the opportunity for contributors as well as myself to just kind of talk about women of color, particularly black women in horror and science fiction. Uh, you can see, you can follow me on Twitter at graveyard, at, at graveyard sister. I'm sorry. Also, Tumblr is graveyardshiftsisters.tumblr.com. We also have a Facebook page. If you can like it, please do. Facebook.com slash graveyardshiftsisters. Uh, and that's about it. Cool beanies. So I'm going to move to our first segment. We have Ashanti McMillian. She is the co-founder of The Guardian Princesses and author of the second and third stories of the series, Princess Venia and Golivores and Princess Mariana and Lixo Island. She also wrote the Guardian Princess song, My Heart is True. Ashanti is a UCR alumni with a BA in Media and Cultural Studies. 
Growing up in Los Angeles, Ashanti has always loved to write stories and songs. She hopes to become an elementary school teacher in the near future and is currently a substitute teacher. Please welcome Ashanti McMillian to the show. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thank you, Thank you so for having much. me. Yes, thank you so much for being on. Um, my first question to you, Shanti, is what inspired you to create and become the co-founder of Guardian Princesses? Well, it all started with um, my professor that I met, Professor Setsu Shigematsu at UC Riverside. And um, I took her classes my junior year and uh, uh, senior year. And so senior year, she was telling me about this project that she wanted to do for her daughter. So it all was inspired by Setsu and her daughter and how her daughter always loved princess stories. However, the princess stories today, you know, are always portraying the damsel in distress and not really showing strong role models. So she wanted to, you know, take it into her own hands and make princesses who are strong role models that her daughter can look up to and other kids who they can look up to too. So we were talking one time in her office and, you know, she said, would you like to join? And I said, yes, absolutely. And from there, I just worked really hard and, you know, collaborated with her and other students and alumni too, and wrote the second and third stories. And from there, it just kind of, kind of started. In your mission statement on the site, um, it states the following, we aim to transform the cultural meaning of princesses and princes into positive role models who take action to protect living beings and the planet for future generations. Can you explain to us what that means exactly? Yes, so today, as you see, when you think of princess, what do you think? Do you think of like pink, right? Like really girly mm -hmm. stuff? Yep. You know, and then princes have to be the ones on a, you know, a nice white horse that saves the prince, a uh, princess and kisses her and everything like that. And so what we're trying to do is that we're trying to switch it around because those are unrealistic. I mean, you watch the, you know, the old classic movies and you see that and then it makes you think that that's how it's supposed to be in real life. Like I grew up thinking that Prince Charming was going to save me, but you know, life shows you that, no, that's not going to happen, you know? So we aim to show, you know, positive role models. And a lot of people do have problems with princesses, like parents, because they see it has those portrayals of damsel in distresses and, you know, like the the macho prince or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so instead of, you know, labeling it as a problem, you know, why not make a solution? Why not just twist it so that they are positive role models and that they can be princesses, you know, that can still wear the dress, you know, and still look fabulous, but at the same time, they're doing something for the community. And, you know, when I was writing the two stories, I feel like I thought of Princess Diana, you know, because she was very elegant, you know, but at the same time, she did a lot of community work, too. So just having role models for young girls to see because there's so many images of, you know, negative images in the media of women out there that we need to, mm -hmm. you know, show young kids positive images. Absolutely. Tell us what you mean by transforming the cultural meaning of princesses and princes. So by that, the cultural of it. So the princess culture, it shows the the pink. You think the pink like that mm -hmm. um, and the princess on the white horse. So to change that, to transform that, it's going to take it, you know, one step at a time. Um, so when you see a princess, normally they're, you know, Caucasian. I've 
you know, it's rare that we see, you know, a princess of color, you know, um, the black princess, Latina princess, and Asian princess. And that's what we have. We want to show the diversity, you know, of, you know, racial diversity, body diversity, and show that because there's only one image of the princess that, you know, pops in your head when you think of it. So that's what we mean by changing the cultural um, part of it. We want to uh, take it from, you know, seeing it as a white princess all in pink, you know, sipping tea in a castle um, to showing diverse different princesses of color, you know, and of body shapes and doing something for the community and coming together in harmony and saving the planet, you know, and saving the people and not just there waiting for the prince to come. And Ashanti, you are the author of Princess Venia and Princess Mariana stories. Can you give us a little background on what those stories are about? Yes. So for the Princess Venia and the Gulivore story, um, you know, it's about a princess um, in her village, and she's the guardian of plant life. So she has a lot of skills and talents with growing plants. And, um, you know, one day this mysterious man comes into their village as they're having their harvest jubilee. And he comes and uh, he speaks with the king and is trying to plot by selling his his food. And meanwhile, the gulivores, they're little caterpillars who eat everything in sight. So they eat their whole um, supply of food in the garden. And, uh, you know, with that gone, with all their food gone, the mysterious man comes in and tries to sell everyone their food and they're happy about it. Yet Vinny is, you know, kind of suspicious of him. So she calls upon her friend, Princess Tara, who's a guardian of the land, and they work together to save the day. And it's really great because it shows, you know, a black princess and a white princess working together to solve um you know, something that's going on and how the man who's giving his his food is actually giving them bad food, you know, so she has to save the day and she does in the end. And so um, for that one, I really enjoyed that story because as a black woman, I would love to see as a little kid, you know, a black princess who saves the planet like that. And for Princess Mariana in Lixo Island, it's about um, a Latina princess who loves to swim, and she loves the ocean, and she's the guardian of the sea. And so one day, her and her sea friends, they're in the middle of the ocean, and they come across a seal who's stuck in a tire. And so they help the seal out of the tire, and um, they soon discover that um, that there's an island full of trash. And they go over there, and there's this uh, prince who's the um, the ruler of the island. And so they go over there and try to stop the prince from having this dirty trash. So she calls upon Princess Vinia, Princess Tara, and um, Princess Ten Ten, and they all work together to help clean up the island. Have you seen? Well, first of all, how long have you been working on the Guardian Princesses project? About a year. It's been about a year. And in that year, have you seen any kind of impact that it's had on readers or supporters of the movement? Have you seen any young girls say, wow, I feel inspired? Or have you seen any results from what's happened with this project? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, we started with the Indiegogo campaign. 
And from there, we got a lot of response and feedback and supporters so that we can actually start the project. And once we had the final products and we had the stories, it was, you know, just overwhelming to see how we made an impact. You know, there's little girls saying like, oh, I want to be, you know, Princess Maniana or I want to be Princess Tara, you know, or Princess Vinia. And they're reading it and seeing that and seeing that, you know, it's not about playing dress up all the time and, you know, external beauty. It's about what you do for your community, you know, and it's so cute because the girls, they'll, you know, say, oh, I want to be like Princess Mariana because she cleans up the ocean and the beach. And so it's teaching them, you know, to do that in real life, you know, and that they have the, uh, the power and the agency to, you know, save the planet too. So it's really great to see that, you know, it's not perpetuating what's going on today in the media where um, girls have to focus only on their beauty. You know, it's helping them steer to, yes, you can be beautiful, but be, be beautiful inside as well and use your brain and use your heart, you know, to make a difference in the in the world. So, you know, we had a launch party back in August, August 2nd at UCLA. And it was really great to, you know, see the young girls and they came up to me because I dressed up as Princess Vinia. And, uh, you know, it's just really great to see them smile and see like, wow, an actual princess and see different kinds of princesses and representations of princesses. So it's beautiful to see that change. You also um, had created a video called My Heart is True. What was the inspiration behind that video? So we wanted to make a song to go with the books. Um, we wanted something that, you know, kids can sing along with. And, you know, kids always love to sing, to, you know, to songs and stuff. So we said, hey, let's make a song with the with the books and the storyline. Um, so we made the video. And so it features me as Princess Vinia and uh, two other great, amazing people as Princess Tara and uh, Princess Mariana. And so we were with a group of uh, the GP kids and, you know, we go around and, you know, tell them that, you know, princess is more than just her dress. You know, she does more than that. She's not a damsel in distress. She saves the planet and she uses her mind. So that was our kind of, you know, way to say in song, you know, that a princess is more than just her dress. So it's for the people, you know, if they haven't read the books yet, you know, they can hear this song. And so it's, I feel like music, I love music, love music since I was a kid. Um, songs can change um, the world. I feel like music is very impactful. So that's why we wanted to do that. And with um, talking about the issues of diversity, body diversity, uh, body images, and, and the way beauty is sort of almost distorted on a mainstream level, you addressed a lot of issues in um, kid lit diversity, as well as um, just talking about representation. Why do you think it's so important to see yourself in books, film, and other kinds of media? It's very important. I mean, when you don't see yourself, you the confidence isn't there, you know, mm -hmm. because when one representation is shown so many times and, you know, it's praised and and shown and you feel like you're left out and no kid should ever feel left out. That's right. the, 
one thing that we should not have that, you know, we want to have them grow, you know, positively and um, grow with confidence, you know, that they can take on the world, that their dreams can come true and that any goal that they have, they can do it. Um, and so to see, you know, um, a black princess or a Latina princess or Asian princess, a South um, Asian princess, a Pacific Islander princess, you know, a disabled princess, you know, all these different representations, it's important because with the mainstream media today, that it's often left out, you know, and it's, it's not healthy, you know, and the media portrays these narrow thoughts that we can't really reach, you know, that we all had to be a certain size, or mm -hmm. we had to have our hair a certain way, you know, or look a certain way. And that's impossible, because we can't look like one thing, you know, why would right. we want to look like one uniform thing, when we want to celebrate all our differences, you know, we want and that's another thing too, for Princess Vinia, I wanted to make sure she had braids, you know, our natural mm -hmm. hair, because, you know, it's just, we have to get back to that, you know, to show that you, your hair, black hair is beautiful. Curls yes. are beautiful. Whatever kind of hair that you have, celebrate it, love it and embrace it, you know? So that's what we're trying to do and show that that's not like, you know, we have to be, you know, like Rapunzel, long, straight, you know, blonde hair when we all don't have that, you know? So that's, that's what we uh, wanted to do. So we have the representations of every kid, you know, as possible. I mean, there's just so many different kinds of beautiful cultures out there that we plan on doing in different series, you know, and different diverse um, cultures out there. So we, we definitely want to do that just to show for kids to look up to, you know, and, and to see like, hey, you know, I have someone up there um, that looks like me and I can be just like them when I grow up or even better. You know, so that's what we want to do for kids and give them that self-esteem and that boost that they really need, especially in, in this generation. Can you tell us where listeners can learn more about Guardian Princesses and purchase books? Yes. So um, listeners, you guys can go to um, guardianprincesses.com and that's where it has all the information there. Um, you can go to our web store there. Um, and our books are available online. Our books are also available on Amazon.com. And then we also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Guardian Princesses. We also have a Twitter page, um, a Tumblr page. So all the information is on our main website, which is guardianprincesses.com. Ashanti, thank you so much for being on our podcast tonight. Thank you so, so much. I think we got a lot of valuable information from this. And please, folks, definitely check out guardianprincesses.com. They're really working to change the face of what we have always seen in the past with these monolithic images of what it is to be beautiful, what it is to be a princess, and really just um, be able to celebrate all different types of hair textures, all different types of skin tones, and the most beautiful way. So thank you so much, Ashanti, for coming on. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me, Jamie. I appreciate the invite and it's been really fun. So thank you. All right. So we are going to move on to our second segment. We have the cast as well as the creator and director of Misspelled. Misspelled is about five witches, Gladys, Emma, Quinn, Stella, and Nina who discover and try to manage their newfound abilities with each other and the misadventures that follow. 
Please welcome writer-creator Lindsay McDowell, director Joseph Ruggieri, Karina Perez, who plays Stella, and Gabriela Blanco, who plays Nina. Hi. Hi there. How are you? Good, good. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. And Ashley's with me co-hosting on this segment. Um, so, Lindsay, my, my first question for you is, how did you come up with the idea for the story of Misspelled? And what makes this particular story so important? I came up with the idea for Misspelled actually on a whim I feel like. I was sitting down on my bed and I was just thinking about how much I wanted to work with my friends from acting school and I just started writing something and I was like, this is a good opportunity. Uh, Coven had just ended and I was like, oh, this is this going to be fun. And I just sat down and I wrote a story about witches and I, I realized that most of the people I wanted to cast in it were my friends and we all are people of color. And yeah, that's that's essentially how I came up with it. And with the the cast now, can you kind of give us a description of um, the backgrounds of each cast member? And um, was there anything in particular about each ethnic group that you wanted to represent with each character, or it was just sort of a random thing for you? Um, I I essentially the only person that I cast that I did not know was Vivi's character character Emma, and there wasn't anything that I wanted to make sure that I portrayed with each character, but I feel like in and of doing that, I have said so much. I have a, a ton of, we have a ton of Asian fans writing in all the time and thanking us for not casting an Asian girl in, in a typical studious uh, character. And I never would have even thought of that. I, I guess when you live and work in LA, you're kind of in a bubble a little bit about how people can see you because you you think you're learning your craft and being an actress and your teachers definitely expect you to be able to play anything so the the idea that people are out there only seeing themselves portrayed in like a a specific way especially a a studious Asian to me was just like wow like this is it is even more important than I thought it was like it reaches beyond me and my frame of reference and Ashley, um, do you have a question for Lindsay in the cast? Sure. I just wanted to ask, uh, just briefly, uh, how important was diversity? How big of a part did diversity play in your intentions for casting? I know you wanted to work with just your friends, but did you also kind of think about the grand scheme of what you were doing and how impactful it was going to be to an audience? I honestly did not at first. Uh, it, 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 when we were casting Emma's character, that's when it kind of occurred to me that, hey, everyone that we cast so far is a person of color. Like, this is a big deal. And I realized that, you know, growing up, I never had that and how important it would be to other girls. And we just hoped and prayed that it would have a, a good reception. And it ultimately it did. When we were seeing people for Emma's roles, we were seeing people across the board. But most of the people that submitted online for Emma's character were, were Caucasian. So we were really happy to have um, anyone come in the room, obviously, but there were a lot more Caucasian actresses applying for the role of Emma than there were any other thing. And I'm, I'm so happy that we did go with um, Vivi Nguyen because she's amazing. Yeah, um, with um, anything, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. 
<laughs> sorry about that. I was just going to ask if there's any kind of like special fun uh, story, little tidbit you'd like to share about the about the inner about the perception so far about what your fan base has said and and real again kind of emphasizing kind of the impact you're kind of having on people. Um, I think I have a couple. Uh, I'll say mine, but uh, Gabby and Karina and Joey are joining me too. If they, I know that they probably have their own little tidbits that they want to share. Um, for me, one of my, my most favorite ones was on Twitter from a girl named Karina. I don't know her full handle, forgive me, but I remember her saying like that she was absolutely head over heels in love with myself because it portrayed girls of color like herself who were so perfectly imperfect and living lives just as they are. And uh, to me, that is just something that's so profound in my own acting career, I guess, if you can call it. Like, I feel like a lot of times when, you know, teachers will give you assignments. They're like, go home and find a character that resonates with you or that looks like you, and, and let's talk about it in class. Like, what sat with you about it? And I feel like every time I got a chance to look on TV or even in films, so often black women are portrayed as being like the best friend with sage advice or the woman that has it all together. And it's, it's funny because I, I want to see a more black woman playing villainous roles. I want to see more black women playing roles and getting a chance to be messy and really get to dig their like teeth into a character like that. But so often I do feel like black women are portrayed like a, a sassy black friend or either the, the best friend with sage advice. And I feel like I want there to be more representation. And the fact that she was able to, Karina was able to watch that and, and get something from that. Like she enjoyed seeing people that looked like her on a screen, being able to be messy and imperfect and funny and, you know, not just a character that comes in for an episode and then leaves like that really meant a lot to me. And uh, this is this is Joe, by the way, um, the director. I uh, I've had a, a different experience um, watching the fan responses, uh, and I think that's just because as the director, you you watch something so many times, you you have to like focus on the smallest details and worry about the music and everything, and you know what's coming across. And then you know every time you watch an episode, there's that one thing that you wish you changed or, or was different or had come out better. And then, you know, you take a step back and you look at the, the responses you're getting and people aren't noticing that one little thing you're noticing. They're noticing like the heart of the project. And so uh, I, what Lindsay was talking about earlier when there was the, um, the, the people who were like, thank you so much for Emma not being like a nerd. Like it's so cool that she is edgy and, has an opinion and isn't afraid to say it and all this stuff and you're like wow that that's really coming across and people are looking at this project in such a i don't know motivating or or exciting or new way and that's cool and some people have written in saying like i've been waiting my whole life to see witches that look like me or are cool i want cool you know cool characters that look like me and so that that as coming coming from the point of like everything is like gotta be perfect, you realize like people are really responding to the heart of the show, the core, you know, like I don't know what you call it, like the 
I don't know, the, the, the heart of it, the diversity, like people are, are, are falling in love with it and responding to it. And I think that, that um, makes me come out of the director role and like realize like, wow, this is working. I don't know. What are your um, thoughts about it um, to Karina and then Gabriella? Karina? <laughs> I guess I'll go. Um, this is Gabby, by the way. Um, for me, I have little cousins who watch like Disney Channel and Nickelodeon all the time. And they see like these really thin blonde girls always like as the lead characters. For me, it was really touching to hear from them telling me like, how proud they were that they were that I was in a show, um, which is a diverse cast, five strong females of different ethnicities, and we didn't have to look like everyone else. Um, that's something that was very touching to me. And apart from them, for my family, just like reading all the comments about that, just um, I think as a Latina, I can relate to Lindsay as always playing the best friend or the maid or you know the girl who's trying to get a scholarship or whatever um and i think it's just showing our fans that we can do whatever we want to do regardless of race regardless of how we look of gender you know and that's just very empowering <laughs> Karina? Well, yeah i'm here um i think one of the things that was just really um really made me see uh, things in a different light was once we started getting all these followers on Tumblr and everyone is writing in and saying how much they love the show and how much they are enjoying seeing so many different people in you know, different color, different size. And prior to Misspelled, I was very ignorant about color and diversity and honestly was just kind of seen as people that are on TV are on TV because of their talents, you know, and until I started filling the belt and learning more and more about diversity and looking into how many, you know, Hispanic actresses are on television, how many Asian women are on television, how many people that look like me do I see on television and seeing that these people had been waiting for this as children, you know, or maybe not children, but like teenagers kind of made me like change the way I see life now, which has made me like a better person one, but it's also like made me like really try and inspire different people to and be okay with themselves. And like, I don't know, just, and, um, I think because of them, saying all these really beautiful things about our show really made me a better person to see um, a different viewpoint on diversity. And I think that's been the biggest part for me as a person. And this question is for Lindsay, but feel free to um, chime in um, anyone else that wants to answer this as well. But how would you describe your fan base and your interaction with them? At first, I thought that I was writing a show for 13-year-old fangirls, um, and I thought that those were going to be the only people interested in anything going on in my brain. And I, after looking at YouTube analytics um, on our page, it looks like 
the representation between men and women are pretty equal. Um, and the, there are major age demographic is 18 to 24, which I couldn't have never even seen coming. Um, and my interaction with them basically has been off of YouTube and Twitter and Tumblr. I think that anytime anyone has anything to say about the series, it's always positive, overwhelmingly positive. And I think that everyone's question, if anyone has anything to say, it's usually about when is the next episode coming out. <laughs> um, and that's that's probably been the most surprising part. Our, the, the fans that we ended up having and uh how just how positive they are everyone in 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 this generation coming up is so socially aware and everyone wants to be allies and you kind of i don't know you get really scared putting things out onto the internet because you are opening yourself up to criticism and the trolls of the internet and just you know anyone you read on youtube comments and you just think ugh this generation but thankfully everyone watching misspelled has loved it and i'm we're super super lucky yeah um we communicate mostly with our audience through through tumblr and when i say we i, I really mean Lindsay. she does all she does so so much of our um online uh you know updates and social media and stuff but when we first released the promologue to our show um that's when it was like right after vidcon 2014 she submitted to the i think 10 Tumblr blogs, and they're all like micro communities. And um, that's kind of what we found out is that there's all these different groups. And Tumblr is a great place for them to connect and share things of common interest. And um, the two that I remember that were really big were um, Angry Girl Comics, which is, um, what was it? Angry Asian Girl Comics? Uh, no, it was Angry Asian Girls United. Angry Asian Girls United. And they posted our promo log. And I think we had like six or 7,000 notes on that one right off the bat. And, 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 and people really responded to it. And then we also sent our trailer out to, uh, I think, Pagans of Color. And we got 8,000 notes or something on that. Like... It was huge. The response was huge, and I think that um, that's that's how we communicate with our audiences. We find people who are going to be interested in kind of what we're doing. And Tumblr is such a great meeting place for for that kind of thing. And we went viral in those communities, which are like micro communities, and that's really a big part of where our subscribership and our our core audience comes from. It's just from that those few Tumblr posts early on in the release of our show that kind of got us out there and got made people aware of us. And I, I think it's really interesting that the concept of micro virality in these small communities. And these are the people that, um, yeah, I think that our, our, our show most like spoke to and it meant something. And, well, Ashley, I'll, I'll toss it to you for your next question. Um, sure. Uh, I was just wondering about uh, the creative process 
filming? Has anything kind of come up that you didn't expect? What has been the challenges and also the triumphs of just doing the production yourselves without any kind of major backing from a studio or network? Do you want to go first, Lindsay? I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, well, yeah, doing doing the production all, all on our own, um, you know, even though Lindsay is the writer and creator of the show and she's in it, she also did almost all of the producing. I mean, she's uh, a huge talent and a, and a very hard worker. And so because of that, it was very easy for me and my, uh, my, my brother, who's the DP, to to get it made and um from from casting to getting locations production design all the all the different aspects of filmmaking we were able to do it fairly cheap because we had people that were extremely interested in wanting to work on the project and um our production designer uh, courtney johnson she was so excited about the project that she was working basically for free, like not for free, like she was definitely getting paid, but it was such a low budget that we couldn't offer her much, but she was so enthusiastic that this was, this became her full-time job just because it's what she wanted to do and work on a witch show and something that was cool and fun. And I think we all kind of had to tighten our, our, our belt straps to make it, but when it comes to fun or interesting things we learned while making it, um, Probably just how hard it is to to get a schedule going. I mean, mm -hmm. you have so many different moving pieces, so many different people with jobs. I work during the day, I work at night, I work weekends, to where it's very, very difficult to coordinate everyone to be in the same place at the same time um, for a long enough time to make the show. And... Yeah, I would say that that was maybe the most difficult thing was was coordinating and and getting getting all the pieces together. Um, I'm trying to think. Do you have any other ones, Lindsay? No, yeah, I have to agree. And to piggyback on that, it was it was the hardest thing is definitely scheduling people um, because like everyone is not getting paid enough to let Miss Bell be their entire job for life. So we kind of have to hope that people will be willing to put in their time on the weekends primarily when they're away from work in order to work on Misspelled. And thankfully, everyone was super excited to work on Misspelled. And, and yeah, scheduling is so tough. I remember even I thought scheduling, you know, 25 to 30 people on set for the days that we shot was going to be really tough. I feel like the toughest thing I had to schedule was our promotional photo shoot that we had to do. I would I was going back and forth asking the girls when they were free, and it ended up being the only time that everyone was free was 3 a.m. So we all <laughs> had to go up to the mountains in who knows where, Malibu, California, and we had our photo shoot there at like 4 o'clock in the morning. It was, and, a, it was a crazy. And you would think everyone would have gotten to sleep at like 8 p.m. the night before or something, but no, no one slept. I'm pretty sure no, no one, one got to sleep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was really insane. Um, and, and I think that uh, one of the things that I feel like I've learned is that you can't be scared to do something new. Right. I, I feel like... Yeah. I, I feel like you can't 
it's going to be super tough and you're going to gain weight and you're going to hate everyone at a point in time. But I feel like the thing that I learned the most is that you can't be scared to do it because it's going to have a remarkable payoff. And you're going to get to work with people that you love and you're going to the people that you don't know, you're going to love them more. Everyone kind of becomes family. Um, and I just thought of another thing I learned, but I completely forgot it. Don't remember it. It'll come back, of course, when we're off the phone. Off the phone. But yeah, I think that um, scheduling probably is the toughest part. And yeah. For uh, Karina and Gabby, what's been the most challenging thing for you working on this production? And um, are there any moments while you were filming that were pretty significant and special for you? Um, as far as, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, no, Gabby. no, go, 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 go. <laughs> um, like, that were, so are you talking about difficulty or, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, just, like, what, what's what been challenging for you is if it was the schedule piece or even just the physical parts of it, um, and then has there been any moments while filming that was, you know, especially that you felt the deepest connection to? Well, the scheduling part was very difficult. I am everyone, almost everyone in the cast. There's a few that actually don't. I live um, in Orange County, and I work, and I go to school. And you know, Lindsay is one of my best friends, so she asked me to be in this show, and I was really excited because she wrote this part for me. She really wanted me to do it, and I was really excited about that. Then trying to find time to film and putting aside a lot of time and effort to, like, try and be at a certain place at a certain time was extremely difficult. And I think I made it very clear that I was <laughs> struggling a bit. But um, I think when it's worth it to you, you make time for it. Mm-hmm. You know, no, not everyone's going to make time for a lot of things, but when it's worth it, you do. And I think one of the biggest parts that was really special to me was just becoming a lot closer to these girls. But I, I mean, I knew Lindsay, I knew Chelsea, I was getting to know Gabby here and there, um, but getting to know her more, she's hilarious. And Vivi, who was a brand new addition, she's such an amazing person, amazing talent, and all the other production people that we worked with were so fun to work with and anytime we got together again was always really special because we got to see all these people again and hang out with them again so it wasn't really work anymore it was just kind of we got to get together and film a fun show um for me what I think was most challenging uh Lindsay first approached me and told me oh we're gonna do I'm writing this show about magic and witches it's gonna be amazing I was so excited and once I read the script, I was like, whoa, this is uh, kind of scary. I'm like a big baby and everything scares me. So <laughs> <laughs> I think like filming um, the first episode when when um, we're, you know, actually doing our magic was very scary for me. Like spiritually, I was freaking out. I was like freaking out on the inside. I wasn't telling anyone, but I was pretty scared. Um, and like my character Nina has this... Um, like, these visions that she goes into, which 
as an actor for me it was like really strange um it was very difficult it was a challenge for sure and and just like the magic the the special effects part of it combining that was was a lot of fun but it was also a lot of work and i would say like the most special or rewarding thing for me is really working with the girls like karina said i think we build like great friendships and also like Lindsay and i have been friends for a while and i just just getting to work with her on a project that she feels you know so strongly about is means a lot to me oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are i mean i i saw the series excellent by the way um and i'm very impressed by the production value uh, you know, you see a lot of these web series that come out, and everyone has one at this, this point in the digital age. But I was really impressed by the production value. Uh, the special effects look really good. Um, tell me, where are you in the process of production? I know that right now it's on hiatus because you guys are doing a, a Kickstarter and you need more funding, and you guys ended on a really good cliffhanger there with the boyfriend trying to figure out what's going on with that. But um, uh, tell us about what's going on with the Kickstarter. Where are you at in the process of the script? Is it finished and you're just waiting for funding? Um, essentially, yeah. Like, I think uh, my goal was to write 60 more pages of content for everyone so that I could either do, you know, six more 10-minute episodes or either break it down um, and make, like, five- to seven-minute episodes and release it on a weekly basis so it was a little bit more consistent um and i probably out of those 60 extra minutes that i had promised i've probably written 50 so i pretty much know where season one could end um and yeah we're we're just honestly just waiting for funds on it and uh, joey did you want to say something um no i mean you pretty cut you pretty much covered it that's that's where we're at we're we're all finished we, we we filmed um, the first five episodes, Promolog and episodes one through four, um, that's what we had the money to do on our own. And we just, yeah, I mean, it, it's something we were so motivated to make that that's, you know, it was not an issue for us to put our own money into it and, and do what we could. But, you know, we were, we're, we're just hoping that the, the fans really respond and, and want to see more. That's, that's where we're at. And I don't think, um, I mentioned this when I introduced you guys, but um, could either Lindsay or, or Joseph just give us a bit of a summary of what Misspelled is about? Uh, yeah, uh, Misspelled is about five girls who all go to community college together, and they mysteriously get magical powers. Um, and it's about how they learn to deal with their newfound powers and deal with each other, who they do not really like everyone in the little group. It's dramatic. Kind of each other, I think. <laughs> it's dr Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, you go ahead. I wasn't going to say anything. It's dramatic. It's it's funny, and it's got some some nice horror elements. Um, I don't think any of it um, hurts the other. Like, there's so many so many projects that are dramatic and and funny, and they kind of don't do service to each other. The comedic and dramatic elements of it, but I. I and I, I guess it sounds like I'm bragging or something, but it, I'm always so critical about everything that I do, and I feel like I feel like because Lindsay's so good at writing drama, and um, it's always been a focus of mine to do comedy. And Lindsay wrote a lot of 
the jokes into the show, but I feel like with my focus as the director trying to make it funny and, and her focus more on making it a bit dramatic and, and kind of clever, uh, I think we found a really good balance with uh, with the themes of the of the show. I think it. I don't know. I I, I, I like it, and I don't like anything that I make. So it's uh, it's yeah. I think, I think we found a really really good balance with the, with the with the tone of the show. I mean, I I definitely hope we did. I have only always written comedy pieces. I feel, and with this, I really wanted to make it dramatic. So. When people say that, you know, it was it scared them, and also they were laughing. Like that makes me that makes me feel like I didn't totally mess something up. <laughs> I want to kind of toss this to um, Ashley too. If, if you have another question, feel free to ask. But do you have you found because you you have your website and you're very connected to the horror fandom community? Have you seen any responses from horror fans so far of Misspelled? That's really interesting. Lindsay, this is for Ashley. Oh, it's for Ashley. Oh, sorry. I wasn't sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure either. Um, I, I, my only goal really was with Misspelled when I, I think I saw it on, um, on uh, Shadow and Act, that blog about film. When I first saw it, I was just so excited to see something with a whole bunch of women of color and something that's supernatural related. My only goal is honestly is to put the word out, support, uh, put some passion into my writing, which, you know, your web series did. And, you know, it got, it, it got, it got a really good response, especially in the first couple of days when I posted the first post about it. And I was really happy because, you know, one of the things I like to do is I like to, you know, kind of put things out there that people may not see themselves or may not just come across because I'm, I'm actually, you know, actively looking for uh, products like yours. So when I saw it and people were really responding to it, I mean, with the social media that I was able to, you know, generate on my own, I was just happy that people were enjoying what you were doing because that's, like I said, that is the end goal. And um I'm also really happy to find out that you watched The Craft with us on Friday, and I wanted to know your opinion. What did you think of it, honestly? <laughs> okay, well, I have I have to start off by saying thank you so, so much for the write-up you did on your website. I was so excited that horror fans were receptive to it at all because I was writing the first episode, and I was, like, realizing I was really scared to, like, write certain parts of it. And I realized I had to bring my cousin on, who my cousin lives in Florida, and he's a horror writer. His name is Ricky George, and he's written a lot for books and short stories and stuff like that. And he raised me on horror, and that's the reason why I'm so terrified of it and why I've never seen the craft. Like, there are certain, you know, scenes in A Nightmare on Elm Street that if I see anyone dressed as Freddy Krueger to this day, I will punch them in their face because I am, <laughs> I am still terrified. Like, my cousin, when I say my cousin is really into horror, like, he is, he has every horror movie ever like I remember one Thanksgiving after everyone was done with our meal he was like who wants to watch Abby and I was like what's that and he was like it's the black exorcist and I I was like eight and I terrified traumatized for life like he just he's special but he actually has co-written um episodes two and three and four with me and if misspelled continues he's gonna co-write as well and he's you know i was so happy to like what horror fans like it because every time we were watching he was like i have to get you away from this thing because we need the horror fan needs to be like you know we need to have their attention and stuff like that so i'm so happy that you said that i cannot wait to repent in this face um (laughs) but the craft the craft I thought that the craft 
was honestly not as scary as I thought it was going to be. I was expecting to have to hold my mom's hand throughout the entire entirety of it. And I have to say, I really, really did like it. And Nancy will forever haunt me. <laughs> She's very scary. <laughs> but ultimately, like, I, I really like the movie. And I feel like you don't see movies like that anymore. You really don't. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's because it was the 90s and the 90s are no longer. That's why you don't see movies like that. But I just felt like there was something so 90s about it that still, like, how many years later after that was, like, we still sit there and remember it and, like, love these girls' fashion and, like, love the story behind it and, and all this stuff. Like, I remember that when uh, when we finished watching it, Joey was saying, like, he had a very in-depth uh, critique of it. So he thought he enjoyed it very much as well. But, like, with the Rachel character, with Rachel's character, what was Rochelle. Rochelle. Rochelle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what did What did you guys think about that? Well, let me clarify for our listeners that may not um, be following along. We do a live tweet once a month. Uh, Ashley, she's the host of it. It's called Friday Night Horror, and we use the hashtag Friday Night Horror. And uh, this past Friday, we did a live tweet of the craft. So uh, kudos to Enda Lauren on Twitter. I know you're listening. She made the suggestion, why don't we invite the cast of Miss Bell to live tweet with us, which I thought was brilliant because I knew you guys were coming on the show today. And uh, they live tweeted with us. And also Rachel True, who played Rochelle in the craft, um, she follows Black Girl Nerds on Twitter. So I sent her a direct message asking her, hey, do you want to participate Friday Night Horror? We're live tweeting your movie. Um, and she was very gracious and went ahead and also participated in Friday Night Horror. So it was very epic to have both the cast of Misspelled and Rachel True live tweet with us, and uh, it was it was a really good time for everybody. It was, a, it was an amazing. Yes, thank you. Never, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Days. It was so fun. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So uh, check out Friday Night Horror when you get an opportunity, and that's on Ashley's site, Graveyard Shift Sisters. Um, where can our listeners go to support? Because I know you guys are. Still looking for funding. Um, I don't believe you guys have reached your goal yet. Is is that accurate? Yeah, we have not. Okay, so where can we go to help the funding of Misspelled and to help support your project? Um, you guys can search Misspelled on Kickstarter, but ultimately you can go to www.misspelled.tv. That's where a little bit of info on our cast and characters are and all of the episodes are and all of our social media is and our Kickstarter should be up on there too. So www.misspelled.tv. And where are you guys um, on the Kickstarter so far? How much more money do you need? Um, I'm really bad at math, but we are asking for 75000 and so far we've raised $8,600. Okay. And when does the Kickstarter end? We have six days. Okay. So jump on that. Go to the Kickstarter website. Check out Miss Bell. We've been live tweeting the links to the um, actual web series as well as the Kickstarter page. So check those out. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on this web series. First of all, it's amazing. I love the concept. It's a really good story. Um, and again, I have to praise the production value. I went to film school, so I know these things. It's really good, very impressive work. Um, so kudos to you, Joe, and your your crew 
for making this uh, web series look really good on film. And kudos to you, Lindsay, for the work that you've done with creating this. And thank you so much to both Karina and Gabby, cast members, um, for coming on our show tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you guys so, so much. Thank you so much, everybody. All right. And thank you, Ashley, for co-hosting with us tonight on Black Girl Nerds. Our podcast next week is going to be about black role players. So we did a podcast last year, same topic. So this is sort of our part two, if you will, and we're going to have some of the same guests that we had on last year. So if you're a tabletop, digital, or live action role player, please tune in. That's going to be next week, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on twib.fm. Thank you for listening, guys. Take care. Bye. Finally, I'm finally free.